Hello and welcome back to the Talking Points podcast. We have just finished watching the Imola GP, the Emilia Romana. I think that's the right way to pronounce it. GP, if you are watching us on YouTube, thank you very much for joining us. And of course, to everybody who's over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any other sort of sound system, welcome to all of you. I'm joined by Aldas as always, and we're going to be discussing Imola. So rate that race. Was it a good one in your opinion? It, do you know what? It was a really weird one because there was a point about midway through where I was like, do you know what? I, I do love Imola. I always love Imola. The track is just amazing. And we did have that kind of element with the weather as well. But yeah, the middle of that race was a little yeah. bit dead. There was that whole like <laughs> DRS thing going on. Like, why were they not opening it? Uh, but then the end of the race, I mean, credit to Charles Leclerc. I mean, he just... He, he's definitely a showman. He definitely spiced it up a little bit at the end. Maybe not intentionally, yeah, but... they did on purpose. Yeah, it's definitely been the weaker <laughs> race, I think, in terms of uh, the entire 2022 season. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. But there's more to discuss for this weekend than usual because it was the first sprint race, of course, that we've had this season. Um, we'll get to that in a bit. We'll just go through our, our you know, brief description of the race. Um, and I have to agree with you, probably the weaker one out of the four. But it... Yeah, it was that middle part that disappointed. I think... If maybe Lewis could have got past Gasly or Albon a lot easier, then maybe it would have been a bit more entertaining in that middle part of the race. It was just that sort of train, unfortunately, of cars. But the first 20-ish laps were very exciting. There was a great battle between like George, Magnussen, Bottas um, at one point. So that was a great part of the race. But yeah, I think weaker part of the two. But let's dial back a little bit over to... Should we go for the qualifying? Should we start with the qualifying? Yeah. Yeah, let's start with the qualifying. So, it, happening on the Friday, straight after FP1, that where they only really had wet weather running, and then they go straight out on dries to go set lap times. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there was a big bit of a mix-up in the field, safe to say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, it's it's really strange to have qualifying on the Friday. It just doesn't feel like Friday no. to me for some <laughs> reason. Like, it feels like it is Saturday, but it's not. It's just, yeah, it was really strange, but... Yeah, with the weather, I feel like there was so much intrigue in terms of like, you know, like you said, most of the practice, I think, was uh, was in the wet and then it was mm -hmm. dry for qualifying. But I mean, the big story from there, I think, was Mercedes. I mean, Lewis Hamilton has had me on the edge of my seat for a long, for, you know, for a lot of time in qualifying with some of his amazing laps. But I was on the edge of my seat for a whole different reason. I mean, I can't believe it in Q1. We're watching both of the Mercedes drivers mm. potentially get knocked out. And by the time we got to Q2, I mean, it was like, yeah, they're out. That's it. Yeah. They're done. So it's just, I mean, what an absolute madness. But that midfield is really strong, especially in, in qualifying. I do feel like maybe it was a bit more temperature sensitive in terms mm -hmm. of why the Mercedes in the race was definitely not like comfortably the third best car on the grid. But in qualifying, that Mercedes is in the midfield. And considering yeah. both of them got knocked down Q2, I mean, that really was just a massive shock. Yeah, I think they were saying after that they struggle with getting temps into the tyres. And Bahrain was good because it's a hot place. Uh, Saudi Arabia was a new sort of surface, so it was quite smooth. So it was quite hard to get temperature despite it still being quite hot there. Um, Australia was cooler conditions. And then Imola was, you know, it was like 10 to 12 degrees was like the average sort of air temperature over the weekend. So it's been a very cool place. Uh, so they're definitely struggling, which is good to know going into other races where they're potentially going to be fast and when they're not going to be fast. But the only problem is, I think, as other Mercedes fans, they're going to want it to be just the fast part, not when they're going to be slow. But George did a great job um, in qualifying. I think it was like four tenths the gap between him and Lewis. So again, yeah. George <laughs> is stay, stating his claim in that Mercedes team at the moment. 
it was a bad i think it was a bad day for you to wear that mercedes shirt i'm not gonna lie but yeah, yeah listen maybe. i mean we saw lewis also get knocked out in qualifying uh obviously in Jeddah as well so he's had kind of a really patchy start to the season he's clearly not clicking with this car maybe a bit of it is a bit of it is mental as well obviously george mm. russell coming in i think george russell is actually doing a really solid job considering the car obviously the situation that he's in but yeah, four tenths against, you know, Lewis Hamilton, one of the greatest qualifiers of all time, the man with more pole positions than anyone else. I mean, that is a pretty hefty chunk. That's not, you know, half a tenth or two tenths, you know, almost half a second. That was that. Yeah, that wasn't great. And it, to be fair, it wasn't like it was just like a one off or anything, because I feel like it almost extended in the uh, in the actual sprint and then also in the race itself. So, yeah, listen, we'll talk about Lewis a little bit later on, but that was just the beginning to what was a pretty poor weekend, I think, especially for him. Yeah, definitely. Other topics in qualifying, we had Carlos Sainz crashing in Q2 with no real pressure on him because I don't think he was on a lap at that point. I think he was even out or an in-lap at that point, and that's when he crashed. And it actually caught out a fair few drivers. My boy Lance Stroll, uh, to be fair, he did mess up his first lap, but then could never get a second lap in. Um, and I think uh, Joe got also got caught out by it too because he put it into P4 in Q1 and then didn't get the opportunity in Q2. So, uh, yeah, science crash again, which shows maybe the pressures get, get into him. Yeah, definitely. This was, I think I actually said it, I think I said it on maybe the previous podcast that I was on, but I'm watching Carlos Sainz very closely now mm -hmm. every single weekend. Like, he's had his bad start to the season. He's had his incidents. And almost Australia was like that for, you know, after Australia was like, right, I've got all my bad luck. I've got all my bad races out of the way. And now let's, you know, Imola, kind of a home race for Ferrari. Let's just start from zero there. But it was another bad weekend. Mm -hmm. I mean, in qualifying, it was definitely his fault. You know, being yeah. it, it was, it was under no pressure. Like he was already into Q3. He was already into the top 10. So under those circumstances, you know, the race we'll talk about a little bit later, but I don't think that was as much his fault. But no. it just, I don't know whether it's down to him, whether it's down to the pressure, the fact that when you look at Leclerc, he is fighting for the title. He is leading the title. Ferrari are, are leading both championships. And again, if it's that pressure, maybe from the team, maybe the expectation, but it just is not clicking yet for Carlos Sainz. And also, you know, he is getting a bit unlucky as well, I think. Yeah, definitely unlucky today in the race. Uh, but in the qualifying session, I think that was that was very much on him. And then, and yeah. then we move into the top, the top 10, um, it started to rain, didn't it, by the uh, by the time we got into Q3. So uh, definitely on the intermediate tyres. Um, shock, I think, of the session, though, McLaren, Lando Norris up into P3 in the qualifying session. And there was a lot of talk, I think, of, you know, is McLaren back? Is this just circuit dependent? But we've had two on the bounce now where McLaren have been up there. But not only have they been up there in maybe different conditions, but even when the conditions have changed, because we had wet and we had dry. So it's easy to say, oh, they're only good in the wet or they're only good in the dry. But they were very solid. And, you know, in that seat where Mercedes were in Bahrain, you know, they've taken over that, you know, Formula, now it's Formula McLaren. Yes, yeah, Formula McLaren Mercedes, it seems. <laughs> but again, I think it goes back to qualifying. I mean, I think all of this kind of revolves around Mercedes in terms of where are they actually? Mm -hmm. Because... It, there's no doubt that they have more race pace than they do qualifying pace, but in quali, I mean, I'm genuinely shocked. I mean, they're definitely in the midfield. The likes of Haas maybe are a little bit quicker on some weekends, and especially K-Mag, he can definitely get a lap out. We saw Fernando Alonso, obviously, as well, and McLaren, so it's just a really weird situation, but it gives these opportunities to the midfield teams, and that's where we saw the likes of Lando, K-Mag, and Fernando Alonso right in there, not even in the midfield, but almost like right at the front with the likes of the Red Bulls and the Ferraris. Now, 
they're never going to have the pace to kind of carry that out through the race and even the sprint race, but it puts Mercedes on the back foot because those cars are not slow. It's not as if there's a massive delta between the quality pace and the race pace. So those midfield guys, they're able to get their elbows out and we definitely saw that in the race. Yeah, McLaren as well, Lando Norris securing his own P3 in qualifying by uh, putting it into <laughs> the barrier at the end, Here which also <laughs> kind of stopped Leclerc maybe to have a run and have a go because I think the gap actually between Max and Leclerc was like quite a bit. It was like seven tenths, wasn't it? in the end in qualifying. So great lap from Max to obviously get it in early, especially with all the red flags we have. I think that's the most red flag session in qualifying we've had since the knockout stage we've had in, which was born in like 2006, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I saw that stat uh, floating around as well. I mean, it's just, it's what you get at Imola. It's such a, mm -hmm. such a strange track in terms of it's so tricky and obviously with the wet weather as well. And even these new cars, I mean, just remember, even though we are a few races into the season, these drivers are still learning, especially in the wet. We've never actually had a proper wet session. There was a little bit of it in, in testing, but that's testing. So yeah, the drivers were getting used to it and this track definitely bites. And I mean, it was, yeah, qualifying. What was interesting is that it wasn't on pure pace. It wasn't like, you know, that was the absolute best lap mm -hmm. that Max Verstappen could have set, but it was about setting the best possible lap time in the best conditions because at any second, yeah. there could have been a red flag and there was, there could be an accident and that's just the luck of the draw really. And I feel like, yeah, that's just what we got. And that's the kind of that, that's the kind of variables that are thrown around in tracks like Imola. Moving on then to the sprint race. First sprint race of 2022. First sprint race with these new cars. And I've always been somebody who hasn't been a fan of the sprint race. I don't think it's perfect. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've expressed it a fair few times. I, I don't think it's perfect still, but I actually enjoyed this sprint race. I thought it was very enjoyable. There was overtakes going on. There was lots of action throughout the whole entire race. And it kind of made me feel that this Imola GP, the actual one the Sunday, could have been a lot shorter because there was that dead period afterwards at the start. So... A very enjoyable sprint race. I don't know. What did you think? Was it also enjoyable for yourself? Yeah, of course it was enjoyable. I mean, anytime you see racing, it is great. And we did get to see some really good racing for the first time ever, I think it was. The leaders actually, you know, had a really good scrap in the sprint race and did go backwards and forwards between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. That was really good to see in terms of, you know, Charles obviously jumping Max straight away, but then Max kind of reeling him in a little bit later on and reclaiming kind of pole position. I'm still kind of working out in terms of pole is, you know, after qualifying, but you're still starting on pole if you win the sprint race. So yeah, the naming I'm still gonna have to get used to, but... The only thing that I probably didn't like, you know, the racing was great, don't get me wrong, and mm -hmm. I was on the edge of my seat, but I think we got a little bit lucky that the race started in the in the wet, because yeah. if it was all dry, I feel like the sprint race almost kind of spoiled the performance of the cars in the race itself. Like, I think we already knew that, mm -hmm. oh yeah, Red Bull's going to be massively, you know, have, have a massive advantage in the straights, and there's not really much that the Ferrari is going to be able to do. And that's kind of what happened as the track dried out. So that's my only worry with with the uh, with the sprint in terms of I feel like they almost spoil the uh, yeah. the race a little bit. We know what cars are going to be strong. We know what cars maybe aren't going to be as strong. And I mean, as we saw it, but you know, the Alpines, Fernando qualified quite well, but kind of dropped back a little bit. Lando was really able to keep pace in qualifying or the sprint, sorry. And it was the same in the race. So. That's the only thing that I'm not a big fan of in terms of, you know, I think it almost spoils it a little bit, but again, the racing was good and I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm also still not the biggest fan of it, but that was definitely a, a fun session to watch. Yeah, I think I think it was definitely a fun session. I, like I say, I think there's still improvements and I'm sure we'll talk about it in the future, maybe next week actually, because we've not got a race next week. So in the comments down below, if you want us to talk about sprint racing, let us know your thoughts on sprint race and uh, we can use those in the podcast as well. Um, so let's talk about the actual race. Um, 
started off in the wet and it was actually a really enjoyable race. But the first instant, it only took up till turn two, turn one, two. Unfortunately, Ricardo, science coming together. Ricardo got lucky in the collision that he was facing the right way, was able to keep the wheels going, get to the grass and carry on his race, whereas science going in backwards was always going to beat it. Was there any fault to put on either driver for me? I think more of a racing incident. It's very tight through there. They left each other enough room. There was a little wiggle on the wheel from Ricardo, but you're in wet yeah. conditions. Um, and I don't think Ricardo really needs to be punished for it either because he already had done by dropping to the back. What were your thoughts on it? Well, first and foremost, I do think it is a racing incident. I'm not someone who just... You know, I do see this all the time online in terms of there's always got to be someone at yeah. fault, but sometimes racing is racing. You go into turn one in the wear, it's close, you touch. Sometimes it is racing, but I would say that it's more kind of, it's a little bit more on Ricardo because you can see what happens is that he goes on that inside curb going into turn one or, you know, the turn one Tamborello, but he does clip the curb, but quite heavy and in the wear on cold tires. Let's not forget, he has a, just a mini little snap and that just sends him a little bit wide. He does give Carlos Sainz uh, space, but it was that little snap as he uh, kind of bounced off the curb and ultimately Sainz was just the passenger. Maybe Sainz could have been even closer mm. on the right hand side, but I mean, he's got to kind of He's got to bring it over to the left at some point anyway to widen the entry to two. So yeah, it was just a racing incident in my opinion, but a little bit more on Daniel Ricciardo, but it's a lose-lose either way because obviously Daniel, the last thing he needs is another bad race. He yeah. had such good momentum after Australia, but yeah, this is going to now put him on the back foot as well because he knows that he did not, that he knows that he made a mistake basically. And once again, it's that with, with Daniel Ricciardo, it's that emotional aspect of seeing your teammate on the podium mm -hmm. after such a bad start for the team and he has just finished outside of the points and, you know, minutes behind his teammates. So that's the bigger kind of, uh, you know, that's the bigger psychological battle on that side. And as far as Carlos Sainz, he was fairly kind of chilled after the race. I think he's got a really good kind of mentality. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, he was already over it. He knows that he's had a bad start. He's not going to cry about it for too long. He's just going to move on. I mean, he's got the, he's got the two-year contract sorted at Ferrari. So that definitely buys mm -hmm. him a little bit of time, but... Yeah, it's a weird one. I feel like with Carlos Sainz, it's just that when is this bad luck going to go away? I mean, of course... He was kind of, it was also part of him as well because he qualified so poorly, but yeah, I think he's going to move on for it very quickly and so is Daniel. Yeah, I think he was a bit more chill because it was not necessarily like fully his fault like the one in Australia. The one in Australia, the blame is 100% on you. You mucked up, you know, you're losing out on your own championship here. Whereas this one, it's a collision, not really much he could have done. I think he did a great job in the sprint race to come back from P10, P9, wherever he was, to then get into P4, which I think is expected for a Ferrari or Red Bull once you're out of position. Take your time with it. You will get into that P4 position at least by the end of a normal race. So there is no need to really rush the positions. Um, but yeah, I think it was a bit more chilled. Uh, for him then on the exit of that corner as well Mick Schumacher also went for a Spinala I I don't think there was contact there was contact after he lost it with Alonso's side pod but I don't think there was initial contact to make him spin the inside of that turn two did look very wet like there was puddles so maybe he just dipped a wheel into that puddle and that's how it went round but not good again for Mick Schumacher it's... one of two drivers now in the field out of the 20 that haven't scored points. And the other driver, Nicholas Latifi. Yeah. And that is not, not even in the list. top 20. <laughs> you don't, that is not a list that you want to be on, Hayden. No. Trust me on no. that one. But um, yeah, another mistake by Mick Schumacher. Ultimately, I know that there might have been a puddle, but 
He just dropped it. He did that. Listen, we've all done it, whether it's, you know, on the track or on a video game. We've all maybe just got on the accelerator a little bit too, you know, a little bit too aggressively, a little bit too quickly. And ultimately that's, you know, that's what happens. You go around, but it's another mistake by Mick Schumacher. How many times have we talked about this now, by the way, in terms of like another mistake by Mick, another one. And especially when you see what Magnussen is doing. I mean, it's, do you know what it makes me think? Like if K-Mag wasn't there and if it was say, you know, Nikita Masben still in that car, where would we, you know, mm. do you think we'd be giving Hass a pass? Like, oh, you know, came, you know, what is it? Mick Schumacher doesn't really have a good car. You know, he's fighting at the back, but mm-hmm. now he's being, I think, almost a little bit exposed. Now, now that puts a lot of pressure on Mick. He really needs to bounce back eventually. I don't think his season has actually started yet. And I mean, another mistake. He also went wide at one point in the race as well and had, I think, a yes. spin. Yeah. So yeah, it's these mistakes that are creeping in. A lot of pressure on him, but he needs to deliver because... I mean, I'm not saying that we're at that point yet, but we're getting very close to the point where, you know, we're asking Haas, you know, is Mick the future of the mm-hmm. team? Is he going to be the driver that's going to partner Kevin Magnussen for the next two or three years and actually going to take this team where they need to go? So, yeah, it's a weird one with Mick Schumacher. And of course, in the process of actually spinning, he, I think he just somehow managed to clip Alonso's uh, side pod. And uh, yeah, L pain is all I have <laughs> to say. I mean... I was watching on the little del- on the little timing thing, obviously, as, as the race was kind of restarted. And I was just seeing, you know, Fernando Alonso yeah, drop yeah. behind Seb, drop behind Sonoda. And I was like, no, there's got to be something wrong with this car. There's no way this is <laughs> happening. And then there's like an entire chunk of his uh, side pod <laughs> missing. But yeah, that was the end of his race. And I think I said this on Twitter, you know, like, yeah, sounds about right for Fernando's season. Like he was having such a good race. Yeah. I think he was like in the, in the top seven, top six or whatever. And yeah, L pain is all I have to say. But Fernando's got a good car. He's got he's very strong in terms of form. There's still a long way to go in the season, but it's it's been a tricky start and quite a lot of it has not even been now to him. Yeah, the Alpine is looking good. He's got a good chance and it's just been a shame for him this season because he's only on two points. He's only on two points. And at Ocon's on 20 and you just think, how? But then you look back on this re- season and the races that happened and then you can be like, oh, okay, fair enough. But yeah, I think I think uh, Alpine just wanted to try what Mercedes are doing at the moment, strip that side pod and give it a go. Because there was just, it was also interesting <laughs> to see how much space was inside that airport once it had the, uh, the casing had come off. There's quite a lot of space in there. Uh, so maybe they do need to shrink wrap it a little bit, but... Um, well not looking at Mercedes mate. not looking at Mercedes <laughs> to be fair uh, but yeah I mean disappointing again for Alonso um, out of the points and potentially could have been a point scoring finish because he was just outside of was he just outside the points in the sprint or was he in eighth in the sprint no, he, yeah he was in the points in the he sprint in the, and he, yeah, was, so right he was in that kind of Kevin Magnussen yeah. and Valtteri Bottas kind of area so he was in, but, he was in the yeah. top 10 there was a pot- definitely potential for points especially with the carnage that happened throughout the race um, but yeah disappointing there for Alonso moving on to the next big talking point, I think, of the race, which was the battle between Russell, Magnussen, and Bottas. And what I liked most about this is that this was a clear indication that these new regulations worked because the cars were so close to each other through the corners. Like, you've got the run down to, the, to turn one, which is the best overtaking spot in Imola, and then there's no real place where the straight is long enough for you to go for an overtake. So you have to be able to follow in the corners to have any chance to make it exciting. And they did. They were they were like switching it back through the uh, through the hairpin, then the run up the hill in towards the fast left hand, then down into Aquaman around. They were very close to each other as well. So it was great to see. And I don't know what your opinion is on, but I, I, I think these regulations have worked an absolute treat so far. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I said this, I think we talked about this actually, you're never going to be 100% able to follow these cars. There's always going to be dirty air. When you produce downforce, you're going to produce dirty air. But the, but I mean, they've limited it to such an extent to where this is really good. I mean, Imola is always going to be a tricky track. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, I think in Formula 3 and Formula 2, we saw a little bit more racing, especially in Formula 3, but that's completely different. When it comes to these cars, Formula 1, the speeds that they're doing, I mean, and especially the quality of the drivers, they're all breaking at kind of similar levels to where their cars are allowing them to. So the margins are so small to actually make an overtake work, especially around Imola. But yeah, I mean, that battle was just, it was brilliant. You know, that was oh, that was on the edge. It was just fantastic. The switchbacks as well. Sometimes it was working, sometimes it was not. There was also that kind of intriguing terms of there was a dry line, mm -hmm. but there was also a wet line. Yeah. So even when Russell tried a little bit of a switchback and tried to undercut him, uh, he just didn't have the uh, acceleration on the wet patch and K-Mag always knew where the dry patches of the track were. So yeah, it was just a really good battle for lap after lap. And that's the sort of thing we want to see. That is just absolute racing at its absolute core. And then I think Russell got a really good exit out of uh, Aquaminerali and I, feel, and I think uh, K-Mag got a bit of a... Yeah a bit of a snap at the end of it. And that's kind of where he made it work. So Such a good overtake. yeah, it was a brilliant start to the race. That's for sure. But it kind of quietened down after that. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was a great overtake, by the way, from Russell up the inside. You must have been absolutely thrilled with that. Being I, was a Russell fan. I was like, <laughs> yes, come on. <laughs> It was such a good overtake because it's such a difficult corner to overtake and it's a one-line chicane. So brilliant stuff there from Russell. But yeah, it was a bit dead after that. Ricardo was the first one to take the gamble. I kind of thought it was a bit too early, but I think he was gaining in some places and losing in others. But overall, I think he was just gaining actual time on the leader. So it was definitely time to come into the pits. Um, but yeah, it just sort of evened out there was that train behind Sonoda Stroll had a little look the on him Yuki I was train. thought maybe he was going to go for it around the outside into that double left-hand corner but you're never going to go around the outside there good great car control from Lance by the way to uh, hold it on the wet and not crash into you <laughs> if you say so uh, yourself no that was a good move by the way like fair play to him for even trying it yeah he was like straight onto the wet patch and I was just like oh my god and you know <laughs> any other driver probably would have been that you know Lance is elite um, but, <laughs> but then yeah it kind of just dialed down Yuki drove off Stroll drove away from Ocon actually one thing we haven't talked about the unsafe release Ocon Hamilton I didn't see it live and I was watching it with uh, Matt our producer here for Backseat Driver um, we were watching it together on that and I was just like, oh, yeah, well, maybe it'll be a penalty. I don't know. We'll see how close it is. I watched the replay and it was it was slam dunk. Then he put him in the wall. <laughs> yeah, that was about a slam dunk of an unsafe release as you're going to get. But it's kind of, do you know what? The pit crews actually don't even have a, like, a choice. Like mm -hmm. you've got to let your car go. I mean, it kind of it's just kind of how it works out. And especially that pit lane, by the way, looks tight. I think it was in yeah. practice, actually. Mick Schumacher couldn't because Hass are right, obviously, at the yeah, end of the pit lane. it bends around he, halfway through. He, yeah, he couldn't even get out of his box like as he was driving. So yeah, it's a super tight pit lane, unfortunately. But again, old school track. That's kind of the little the little things that you get with tracks like these. But yeah, it was a slam dunk, uh, slam dunk penalty kind of caught pink handed. Does that kind of you know? Does that make sense with Alpine? So yeah, what get can you do? But <laughs> to be fair, the Alpine still had good pace. It was just one of those races where other midfield teams were in better positions. They kind of gambled a little bit mm. earlier. I think Bottas was super early. Seb was super early on yep. the. Uh, on the slicks as well. So yeah, it was just one of those races, but you take it on the chin. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, talking about the train, it, it was it was weird because we, we thought maybe Gazi was going to get the Williams, but that Williams is just so yeah. fast in a straight line compared to the others. It's just Alex, mate. It's it just is Alpine. just Alex. To, to be fair, two races on the bounce, 
He has been unreal. Like, to get that car into 11th, nearly getting it points again while your teammate is down in 18th, 17th sort of position, not having another good job for there from, from, from Latifi. Yeah, it's just been unreal from Alex so far this season. But yeah, Gazi couldn't get past. Lewis couldn't get past. And everyone's like, oh, well, we need DRS. And then we got DRS. And they still couldn't get past. And it was just stuck in a train. And every single lap, it's like, oh my God, will they? Will they? They're side by side? No, Lewis has backed out. We Do go you know again. what? There was a point where I think the TV director like kept it on Lewis for about five or six laps. Yeah. And at one point I was like, I know how this is going to turn out. Just, just show me someone else. You know, show me Mick, Mick <laughs> Schumacher spinning or something. Because like, Lewis is not going to pass Pierre Gasly. And to be fair, I think, you know, Lewis obviously had a poor race, no doubt mm -hmm. about it. But... I think it was a really poor kind of weekend and especially race for Pierre Gasly though. I mean, I know Alex is in the Williams. I know that the Alpha Tauri wasn't, it was maybe one of the worser cars in that midfield, yeah. but I mean, his teammate, you know, Yuki had, I think the best weekend mm -hmm. of his entire F1 career. When you look at kind of from start to finish relative to his teammate and to be stuck behind, you know, again, Alex Albon in a Williams, I feel like yeah. it was a bit of a disappointing kind of, it was a disappointing race for, for Pierre Gasly. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, he actually got out-qualified by his teammate as well. And yeah. Gasly rarely got... I don't. I think he got out-qualified once In Abu season. Dhabi. He almost in did Abu the Dhabi. clean sweep yeah. on Yuki, but big up Yuki in 2021. He's turned Abu it Dhabi, around this season. Through. And it was a great race from Yuki. Uh, because actually, whilst that battle was going on, what we actually got away from finally is that Yuki was gaining... So he had that battle with Lance, where it looked like Lance was potentially going to be getting him because he was leading the train. And then all of a sudden, Yuki found some pace and just drove off and went on the hunt of... Um, who was it? Who was he on the hunt of? Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Sam. Vettel, that was it. Yeah, went on the hunt of Sebastian Vettel. And uh, yeah, it was a really nice, really nice overtake there from Yuki to just, you know, get the straight line speed around the outside into turn one. And a really great race from him as well, just to gain those positions throughout the race. I think he finished P7 in the end. Oh uh, yeah, P7 Leclerc in the end. just got him at the end. Um, unfortunately so, unfortunately but yeah so nothing really happening in the in the midsection until yeah then it was a bit dead in the middle it yeah. was definitely a bit like okay we're watching i think it was nico that said like oh brilliant lewis is not going to be able to overtake pierre, Ga pierre gasly for the 20th <laughs> lap or something and then it was like you know when is this race going to be over yeah. or something but it Leclerc, felt really long he came through <laughs> yeah it felt really long that race in all fairness it felt like a very long one but leclerc came through before he had the spin though they decided to go onto the softs and this was for fastest lap. And I was, I don't know what you were thinking on that, but I was baffled because they basically handed the fastest lap to Max Verstappen because they pitted for the softs and then Max, then Perez could pit and then Max has got the gaps so that he can pit and there's still 10 laps to go for them to put in fast laps. Whereas usually when teams go for it, they go for it on like, so 63 laps, 60, come in lap 61, lap 62 is your out lap and then lap 63 is your fast lap. And I know it kind of puts it down to that one lap and having the clear room and not getting caught up by back markers, but it's the best way to go for it. Because if you go any earlier, the other two are going to pit. And then, you know, if they're in the quicker car, which it looked like Red Bull was the quicker car this weekend, they're going to nick it from you. And I just thought it was way too early. I mean, I think actually to kind of defend the Ferrari strategists for a second, <laughs> I think they were thinking... Instead of let's go for one point and, you know, still finish in third, I think they were looking for second. I think they were mm. looking to overtake Perez, maybe undercut him, maybe put him in a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of trouble. But it was Sergio that pitted first. And I was really surprised, actually, because I really did think that, you know, Charles was going to pit first. But, yeah, he didn't in the end. And I feel like 
he, he had a mega outlap. Sergio definitely had something wrong on his outlap on his slicks mm -hmm. because, I, I mean, it was so much closer. I think there was actually a bit of a two-second gap at first, and then they were right next to each other. So to kind of defend Ferrari, I think they were trying to battle for second place. And I mean, Charles was definitely pushing to get that second place. Yeah. They weren't really thinking about that fastest lap. And in the end, maybe it's a bit of an experience by Leclerc. We know that he drives on the limit. I really thought that this year with the, with the, you know, the title on the line, with the gap that he had to the points to Max Verstappen, I really did think that he was kind of reining it in a little bit. But he still has these moments, Charles, where he's absolutely magic to watch. But sometimes he does go over the limit. He just bounced over that curb a little bit more. He was a little bit, yeah. you know, too eager to get even closer to Sergio Perez. And in the end, I actually think that he was very lucky going round to... Only really break the end plate. But the one thing that I will say, actually, I think it was, um, maybe it was Nico Rosberg that said it afterwards. I was surprised that they actually pitted him because, I mean, in the end, you know, obviously he still lost out of the position to Lando, but would he, be, would he have been able to hold off everyone else and still finish maybe in fifth? I don't know. But yeah, it was just a bad, I think it was, it was just a little crack. It was just a little sign, a little crack from Charles Leclerc that this title challenge is getting to him. And what a weekend for Max Verstappen. You know, we were talking about all these reliability issues this was a big load of points dropped by Leclerc and obviously Red Bull getting the maximum points. Big thanks to our first sponsor on the Talking Points podcast, nordvpn.com slash livefast. If you've ever been abroad and wanted to gain access to shows you watch at home, NordVPN lets you do this easily with over 5,000 servers across 60 countries. You'll be able to connect with a single click and access a secure connection on public and private networks. And this works both ways. So if I want to be watching a show that's only available on US Netflix, I can change my location to that one and watch the show. You can have up to six devices connected and is the fastest VPN out there. So if you want to give this a try, head over to nordvpn.com slash livefast. That's nordvpn.com slash livefast for 60% off a two-year plan with also an extra month for free. Plus, you also get a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if it is not for you, there is no risk. Once again, thank you very much, NordVPN, for sponsoring the Talking Points episode. Now let's get back to the podcast. Just before we get into the head-to-heads, the last talking point of the race, Max Verstappen, race domination. I think that's the first person to get pole, the race sprint race win, the race win, and the fastest lap as well, because I'm pretty sure we've got fastest lap. So the first person, what is that? Do we have to have a new term for somebody who gets all of that? Is that now the new Grand Slam? <laughs> It was still technically a grand slam, so that, that that's quite good because I don't think the spring kind of counts towards it. Mm. But I mean, I just mentioned it, you know, this was an incredible, this was just what Max Verstappen needed on a weekend, you know, especially after Australia losing all of those points and in Bahrain. I mean, he was like, you know, after Australia, he was like, I don't even care about the championship at this yeah. point. It's just race by race to see if we can catch up. And to see him get the maximum amount of points, both in the sprint, both in the race, fastest lap, Red Bull 1-2, really good drive by uh, Checo as well after kind of being on the back foot after qualifying. But yeah, perfect day for Red Bull, a very painful day for Ferrari, but I mean, Max Verstappen has seriously closed that gap to the championship to Leclerc. So it's exactly what they wanted to see. Yeah, definitely. Their first one too, by the way, I think since Malaysia 2016, which is incredible. Wow. That is a long time ago. The season that they had last season, and that's the first time they've had a one two since then, is, is crazy. Right then, head to heads. Should we start from the bottom or start from the top teams? Let's go bottom first. Let's go you bottom know. first. Okay, so fun. the new bottom team 
is Williams. Williams are now last again. So I thought you were about to say Mercedes. <laughs> Mercedes, they're, they're getting there. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Williams, easy one for me. Albon is just clear. I, it's a weird season now. Was Russell overhyped? So now maybe if we put Hamilton versus Latifi, Latifi might actually beat Hamilton at this stage. Because <laughs> Russell's destroying Hamilton so far and Albon's destroying Latifi. But yeah, like... We know that like, Russell yeah. is a talent. We know Russell is a talent, but maybe we underestimated Albon this whole time. Like maybe he could have another chance in a top team. Now I'm not saying he's going to go on and become a world champion. He's not, maybe not that pedigree, but maybe in a top team, he could become a very good sort of second driver that is always going to back you up, get the podiums and do stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's been a great season so far for Albon and here again, just proves maybe next season it's time for Latifi to step down because he's not been performing at all. Say it with your chest, Hayden. <laughs> Say it with your chest. Get Latifi, Latifi out and let me done. have number six back on the Formula One game, please. <laughs> no, Latifi, I mean, you know, what George obviously did against Latifi and then now what Alex is doing as well. In terms of Alex, I don't want to look, you know, too far forward. He's going to be an eight-time world champion now that he's beaten Latifi <laughs> at Williams. But no, he's a quality driver. He always was, you know, yes, he had a bad season at Red Bull, but he's bounced back straight away from day one. The only thing I'm disappointed about with Alex is that because of his issue, obviously the brakes exploding in qualifying. <laughs> I mean, that was a that was a shock, yeah. definitely. Officially, he now has been out-qualified by Latifi, so he can't whitewash oh. him the entire season. So, yeah, that is an L, but there's not really too much to say. Honestly, he did not <laughs> see Latifi the entire race. I don't know if you saw him on the bro on the broadcast, no. but yeah, it's, you know, he finished, I think, was it, down in 16th and only ahead of Mick Schumacher and Daniel Ricciardo for, and obviously they had their races, Um, but... Yeah, there's not too much I want to say about Latifi. In terms of Alex, he's doing exactly what he needed to do. There wasn't enough craziness at the top for him to take advantage and just get the points. Unlucky just behind Stroll. I mean, you know, yep. Lance Stroll, what can we say it's, about it's that? It's me but... versus Tomo this season between Stroll <laughs> and Albon because they're both on the same points now. So we're back in business. The fight is still on between the two of us this season. It's uh, even but... better than the championship fight, man. It Brilliant, is, it but... is. It's the one to watch this season. Um, but yeah, it's got to be Albon. It, yeah. Great race by him, just... There wasn't enough craziness at the top to, to get points on this occasion. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the thing with um with Formula One is that you can have one of the best races, but if everyone finishes the race or most people finish the race, then you only get P eleven. It's a bit of a shame and you don't really get anything for it. But yeah, great race for Albon. Moving up, I think then next it is Aston Martin. I think they're still in P nine. Um and for me it's it's an easy one for this one. Vettel, like being a stroll fan, I'd love to say Lance Stroll. I think both of them had really solid races. Uh Vettel, of course, uh had the much better start starting position from both the sprint race start and then also the normal one. Um so great to capitalize on both of those and not drop through the field. I think it was a great race from him. And also for Stroll to be qualifying in P15 and out of the two races, work your way back up to P10. I think a solid day for Aston Martin. And I don't want to say things are turning around for them and they're going to be fighting for points every single race weekend from now on. But it's good to see that after the, the disappointment of Australia, where everyone was like, this team's mudded, they're going to have a terrible season. We were discussing it like, where how bad are they going to be in, in our mid-race podcast um, last time? So it's good to see that they're actually, you know, getting the points and back in the fight. And I do think that car is improving. I definitely think that it's, uh, maybe it's a bit more track dependent. It was a little bit quicker. There's no doubt that both Stroll and Vessel, and maybe this is more of a driver thing because they're both, you know, 
even though, you know, Seb's the four-time world champion, they're both really good in the wet. There's no doubt about that. But there's th that car was definitely a lot closer yeah. to the midfield in terms of like, you know, for the, in terms of this weekend compared to like even two races ago. I mean, Lance in Australia had a very strong race, maybe, a, you know, a little bit unlucky in the end with the penalty and, you know, so with a, a bit of a collision with Bottas. But I think that car is definitely making progress and it's allowing their drivers, you know, like Seb, to get a very good result, especially in mixed conditions. And Lance also did a really good job. There is a lot of fight in both of those drivers. I think this was a big race for Seb because... I mean, there was obviously that big kind of talk, you know, is he going to retire after one race? You know, he had a bad race in Australia. Yeah. That was a bad Sebastian Vettel performance on his comeback to 2022 after missing the first two races. But he has definitely come back with a bang. That was a great performance, you know, in Imola. So yeah, a really strong weekend by Aston Martin. And I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if throughout the season, if they develop more and more and do find that pace in the car. I mean, we might see one of these drivers on the podium if we do get another crazy race uh, that might be rain affected. So yeah, Please. that's the good thing about having Please. two drivers that are really good in the wet and obviously a four-time world champion as well. So yeah, a really good race by Aston Martin and just good to see them kind of begin their 2022 season as well. You brought it up. Um, so I'm going to come back to it because it really annoyed me. Lance Stroll's penalty well. in Australia, right? Gets a five-second slam dunk. And then what's this where drivers are getting warnings for weaving in, in the sprint race? Sorry, sorry, where's this come from? I was so pissed off yesterday when everyone kept on getting warnings. I was like, where was this in Australia? Where was my boys' warning? Sad. Are you agreeing with me for Vettel, though, for the winning the head-to-head? -head? Yeah, definitely. Seb, I think, had the stronger weekend, but mm -hmm. it was just a strong... I think it was a good team performance, yeah. so... That's I think it was the qualifying that, that won it for Seb. I think both of them had similar pa race pace, and but obviously the better position in qualifying. If you mess up, Lance had one lap. Everyone else had one lap in qualifying in that Q2 session. Lance messed his one up and he was down in 15. So it's his fault that, that he was down there. So yeah, we've got to give it. Yes. Unfortunately, I've got to give it to Seb this week, but we'll be back <laughs> next time in Miami. Uh, moving on, who's next in the... Alpha Tauri. Is it Al Let's yes, it is Alpha Tauri, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Yuki, Sonoda, solid performance, out-qualified Gasly. Um, I mean, both got knocked out in Q1. Not a good performance because it's their home race as well. You know, I think they're yeah. close to... Are they closer to Imola or Monza? Do you know? I think they're closer to, to Imola because they're yeah, in Fienza. Well. But it's either way because it's where they do all their shakedowns as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean... What a race by Yuki. I mean, what a weekend mm -hmm. as well. I mean, it, it was a bad qualifying, both of them going out in Q1. Yeah. Maybe the car did have a little bit more, you know, race pace. So that's just how close that midfield is. Like the Alpha Tauri can be the best kind of best of the rest car. Then maybe it's the McLaren. Maybe then it is the Mercedes if they are kind of in that best of the rest the kind of argument. But I think this has definitely been Yuki Tsunoda's strongest weekend definitely. in Formula One. I'm talking from start to finish. And forget about the luck. I'm talking about pure performance, you know, taking all those crazy things out of there. Obviously, you know, like in Abu Dhabi 2021, yes, he got that P4, I think it was in the end, but there was so much that went into that. So in terms of pure performance, this was Yuki Tsunoda at his best and better than we've ever seen him so far in his career. And a really good start because there is pace in there. You could see how happy he was. I'm a big Yuki fan and I've been waiting for a decent race. <laughs> And finally, he's delivered. He was absolutely buzzing on the team radio as well. He did kind of drop back a little bit at the beginning. And I was getting a bit worried in terms of like, yeah. you know, what's going on here? Why is, you know, this was like the Yuki train for some reason at the beginning of the race. But uh, as it kind of dried out even more, maybe it's just because maybe that Alpha Tauri doesn't have as much pace in the wet. Kind of the opposite to Aston Martin. Mm -hmm. But as it dried out, clearly that car had a bit more pace. He was able to kind of fight through the field, overtake uh, Seb as well, kind of towards the middle, towards the end. And I mean, yeah, I mean, P6 or P7, I should say, in the end, that's a really good start to Yuki. And on the other hand, 
Uh, a bit of a strange kind of weekend for Pierre Gasly in terms of like, I think that's a really poor weekend in terms of he wasn't able to overtake, you know, Alex Albon. He kind of got outclassed in the race, you know, against uh, his younger teammates. So, and again, Gasly is one of those drivers that he's looking to mm. move up the field. He's looking to go into maybe a Mercedes or a McLaren and uh, he needs to limit these kind of weekends. Yeah, with Yuki, he's had a very solid start to the season in which that he's always gained at the start. He did it again today and yesterday. And I think the problem for Gasly mainly came from the collision with Joe in the sprint race uh, when the two of them came together because then that put him back down to the to last, which is, of course sets the starting grid for this race. So whereas Yuki was yeah. able to gain those positions in the start and of course keep them, I don't know where he started in the end in this race, but I think it was around the sort of 15th area. Whereas, you know, so he gained about three positions in that sprint race, whereas Gasly lost the same amount of positions dropped to the back so it's unfortunate there for Gasly but yeah Yuki today's race making the overtakes and I think maybe I mean I'm probably I could be wrong for this but maybe it was confidence uh when the track was drying and sort of using because you you know you've got to wait until the track has a perfect racing dry line until you can be fully confident to really attack it and maybe because it wasn't quite there yet he was struggling to maybe find where the grip was and maybe too scared to deviate off that off that line. Yeah, that we haven't gonna mess seen it that up. kind of breakout performance in terms of him being a good wet weather driver. Mm. I think he needs to put, we need to see more of these and he definitely built confidence. So maybe he needs to work, work on kind of, I mean, it's obviously so difficult to do, <laughs> but maybe the wet is kind of not his best kind of, um, not, not the best track conditions for him to perform at. So maybe he's better in the dry, but Either way, you've got to take advantage of the situations and he delivered uh, quite a really good drive. And I also thought his overtake on Seb actually was really good as well. I think it, it was, was as Charles Leclerc was like it coming was, out the pit it, yeah, or something. It's the like, best shot I've ever seen in Formula One where Charles Leclerc watched him out of the pits and then all of a sudden, oh my God, what's going on over here? And it just there's tracks a battle that. It was so one. good. <laughs> it was so but good. But yeah, Yuki Tsunoda for this one. We don't say it a lot, but Yuki Tsunoda over Pierre Gasly for Imola. Which is great to see for him as well, because I know there's a lot of Yuki fans that have got a lot of stick last year, but it's good to see for him this season. Uh, moving on to the next one. Is it Alpine? Alpha? Haas? Where, where are we going with that one? Is it? I think let's go Alpine, because it's Alpine. a bit more kind of easier, I suppose. Yeah, they didn't, uh, yeah I suppose. It's, uh, it's an Esteban Ocon, although it's a tough one, because... Alonso never really had the chance to sort of prove it in the race. He got slam dunked by a young Schumacher in the side, whereas <laughs> he was much better in good, qualifying. Not quite as, uh, as good as the battle in 2005, I no, must say, with another Schumacher, no. but, you yeah. know. <laughs> it was, yeah, whereas Ocon was off the pace in qualifying. I think He went out yeah. in Q1, didn't he? Ocon went out in Q1. He did. He had a few issues, though. I was I was really kind of surprised in Q1. I, and I thought it would be some kind of issues because they let him out with about like a minute 30 to go, which is not enough with an outlap for no. him to set a time. So I think they had a few issues there. Yeah. So he was on the back foot right from the beginning. And quite honestly, when it comes to, you know, Esteban Ocon, I feel like he was literally from start to finish. He was literally just in that train mm. from the very beginning to the yeah. to the very end of the race. So... Yeah, he was like a passenger. He was just he was just watching the race like the rest of us, basically. Yeah, it's a weird one to go for Ocon because and then in the sprint race, I don't think he really did much either. Whereas Alonso, Although Fernando fell back in the sprint as well, so like, yeah. does that take away a little bit? Yeah, this this is a tough one actually. You like let's go Alpine because it would be easy. Uh, this is racking my head. Um, I want to see. I want to hear what you say first. Yeah, just because you want to you want to copy me, don't you? I want to say Alonso because I think he was just. You know, had both of them got to the finish, he would have been in the points. Whereas Ocon never had a chance of being in the points. 
And maybe, okay, someone in the comments might be like, same with what you said, there was a problem, so it's a bit harsh on, on Ocon. So this is why I don't think this is like an easy one. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, Alonso was clear faster. But I think in terms of pace, Alonso was faster, and that's what I'm going from, rather than, you know, points scored or, or finishing the race and stuff like that. So I think on pace, Alonso was better this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to go Fernando as well, as much as much bias as I can put in there. It's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shallow like yes I'm going to pick Fernando it was it was a bad weekend for Alpine anyway the penalty the collision no points scored and again we talk about that midfield the likes of you know Alfa Romeo like with Bottas putting in these strong performances you know I think it was only a few races ago where Alpine were like third or fourth in the in the constructors yeah. and that that seems like a while ago now so yeah it's it was just a bad weekend but fernando kind of by default he got a little bit unlucky but yeah he had the pace over ock on the entire weekend yeah definitely you mentioned them let's go to the next alfa romeo uh another great weekend from valtteri bottas qualified i think just outside of the top 10 or did he, no he got into the, he got into q3 didn't he because he broke down in q3 bringing out the red flag yeah. i believe um so he got into q3 and then managed to work his way into seventh i think for the sprint race and then nearly, very nearly at the end, nicked that P4 away from George Russell. What a battle between close. those two. <laughs> I wasn't worried. Yeah, you were. You were. Your butt was clenching just a little bit on the edge of your seat at the end of that race. Um, but yeah, I think Bottas has to take this one. The first time we've seen maybe a mistake and a bad performance come in from Joey. He's been very solid so far this weekend, but you're going to get those is what you've got to expect when a rookie comes in is sometimes they're going to make mistakes or they're going to have a few issues. I think it was a bit more of a racing incident between him and Gasly. He could have yeah. given Gasly a bit more space. Gasly could have maybe, you know, it's a difficult corner to send it up the inside of. Yeah. Uh, so a racing incident between the two of them. Unfortunate there for, for Joe to, to drop back to the back and start that race from from, of course, in P20. Uh, but not a bad result from him trying to work back through the field and just stuck in that train as well. Um, but yeah, compared to where Bottas was, it's, it's clear that the Bottas is going to be the one to, to tick off. And I just hope that these results can start to turn around a bit more for Joe and he can get into more points positions across the rest of the season. And, and not just the P10, look at you know where Bottas has been finishing uh, and, and aim for like, P7 sometimes in the race. It'll be great to see for him. But yeah, for me, Bottas is going to tick this one. Yeah, I think for me, Bottas as well. And I feel like, you know, with, you know, Guan Yu Zhou, obviously, uh, I think it's his first race in the wet actually here as well. So there's kind of that aspect to, that aspect to it as well. You know, Imola's not an easy track to kind of, as your first wet race, you know, it's not Silverstone yeah. Monza. You know, Imola is not a track that you want to be, uh, you know, going in the wet. But yeah, it was just to be fair, after his accident with, uh, after his accident with Pierre Gasly, I thought it was just a clean drive to the end. So yeah, it was just obviously, you know, obviously you have to go with Bottas. He also got unlucky in the pits as well. So that battle between him and uh, him and George, I mean, it could have been a lot closer. So yeah, uh, Bottas, a great drive, and it's just, yeah, it was very good between him and George at the end. I was worried, I have to admit, <laughs> a few flashbacks to last year as well, so yeah, that was also kind of in the back of my mind as well, but I think just great racing from both of them. Great racing from both of them, and yeah, fair play to Bottas. It's great to see from Alfa Romeo to be able to switch that around from last season, just like Haas have done, and now be fighting for not just points, but solid points. You know, P5 today, nearly a P4. <laughs> you said Aston Martin maybe can score a podium this season. Alfa Romeo, you know, only need a few 
bits of luck here and there, and they're on the podium as well. So could be great to see. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves because we're going to wait and see until if that happens. Um, moving on to the next one, I think we go with Haas would be next. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's very easy again. Kevin Magnussen, and we talked about it earlier, and we said we're going to come back to it, and I think it does need to be discussed. Mick Schumacher this season. We've talked about rookies. I know he's not a rookie. He's had one season, but, you know, it's still only the second season. There's still time to be like, you know, it's still early doors. He's still young, but this is a man that a lot of people are like, he's going to be in the Ferrari one day. He's going to be winning championships. I don't buy into it, unfortunately. Not right now. Like, he's a, he seems like a lovely guy and, you know, I can see why he's got a lot of fan support because he's a lovely guy and, you know, he's done some great things behind the wheel in F2 and F3, and you obviously don't win that without being a good, talented driver. But, you know, it's a big step into Formula 1. Formula 1 is the elite, and he's not been performing, especially where Magnussen's been. Yeah, I feel like for the team in general, I feel like it would be a really disappointing weekend to see that in the race. I mean, K-Mag, whether it was down to tyre graining, whether it was more as the track was drying out, maybe it was just the car wasn't quite suited to it. Maybe it's a setup thing, I don't know, but... It was disappointing to, to see K-Mag qualify really well. I mean, I yeah. think he was like in the top five or something and then go kind of further and further back uh, from there. So I think that's what the team will kind of think about more than anything else. But you've got to look, you know, I mean, I think Mick is looking over his shoulder like, you know, K-Mag's really performing well. The team is already around him, I think. Yeah. You know, the team is looking towards K-Mag every single weekend. Can you get us in the top eight? Can you get us, you mm -hmm. know, what kind of race can you have to get us points? And it's Mick who's yet again on the back foot. So... Yeah, I mean, again, I think I said it before, he's under pressure now, he needs to deliver, that Schumacher name is running out, that kind of, the stock that he has in the bank for that, it's running out very, very quick, and he needs to perform, so, you know, how I don't know how many times I'm going to say, you know, next race out, maybe he'll be the one, maybe that's yeah. where his season is going to start, but I still don't think his, his season has actually started yet, so... Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of pressure on Mick Schumacher, and with the Schumacher name comes even more pressure on top of it. And uh, yeah, I think like that Ferrari thing is, you know, that's a long way away, even if it is a possibility, but it looks like it's anything but at this point. But, you know, shout out to K-Mag, really strong uh, race by him, but unlucky for unlucky for the team, just wasn't that day, unfortunately. Solid race, solid performance from K-Mag. It's interesting to see, I think the Haas is looking like a car that could be very solid in wet conditions. So if it rains across any other races in the season potentially expect Haas to be up there fighting for some really solid points. Moving on to the next team, I think now we move on to, I, I don't, don't know how close it is between McLaren and Mercedes now, but I think McLaren are just behind. So let's go on to McLaren. Lando Norris onto the podium. He loves it, Imola, because he got a podium last time around. Absolutely loves it. Great result from Norris. And just a solid drive. You said we barely saw Latifi in this race. I don't remember really seeing Norris in this race, but solid, solid race from him. I remember seeing Lando when Charles spun out and Lando was just going past and yes. he's going, wee, see you later, <laughs> uh, But yeah, it was, I was really surprised actually because everything after Lando said after Australia, he said that the reason why they were so strong as a team, both him and Daniel Ricciardo in Australia, is that it was mostly track specific. You know, the car clearly worked mm -hmm. on the quick corners, but it worked just as well in the wet yep. and it was just as good in the dry. It wasn't as if, you know, when it dried out, it kind of, it showed the weaknesses of that car. Lando was comfortably in that kind of P4 position and obviously capitalized when Leclerc made that mistake. So great weekend by him. And obviously, you know, Lando over, over Daniel. But I go back to that kind of psychological battle between Lando and Daniel mm -hmm. because 
Daniels just had another shocking race, you know, whether it's his fault or not. And I do think it is a little bit more his fault in terms of lap one. They tried something with him, but it didn't quite work out. It definitely was a mistake to put him on the hard tire. So yeah. I was really surprised with that, actually. But and then you see your teammates celebrate that podium with the team. I mean, that's got to sting. So, yeah, I mean, it's really good for the team. I'm happy to see McLaren back. I always thought, even after Bahrain, I always thought that car is not at the back of the grid. Something has just gone wrong and they will get back on track. They proved it in Australia. That could have just been a one-off performance, but they've, you know, they've gone back to back and even bettered it in Imola with the pace that Norris showed and even Daniel, to be fair, at some point in the weekend. So yeah, it's looking good for McLaren and it is quite apt that they're called McLaren Mercedes because I think <laughs> that's the fight that we're going to be seeing in that kind of top midfield behind Red Bull and Ferrari. So yeah, we're going to see a lot more, hopefully Lewis versus, uh, or you know, Lewis versus kind of Daniel and George versus Lando. I'm, I'm looking forward to that very, very much. It's looking very much like that at the moment. Uh, in terms of Ricardo, I don't think he needs to worry too much because this race, there's a reason why it went bad. There was the collision at turn one. And obviously you can point more the blame to Ricardo if you want to. But, you know, instead of just being like, okay, that's my fault and now I'm really slow, there could have been extra damage there on the car. He he hit Science front on, could have been damaged on the front, but also Bottas went into the back of him and lifted him up into the air. So there could have been diffuser floor damage. We don't know at this stage of filming this right now. So, and he did have pace. Okay, I think Lando was the faster of the two across the race weekend, but it wasn't like Ricardo was way off the pace like he was when we saw him last year. So I think, I don't think it will hit Ricardo too hard. There's, it's not like, like I say, it's not like there's a reason because he's slow. It's more because there was a crash and there was an incident put him to the back and he just couldn't make any progress because of that big train and maybe there was some damage yeah. on the car as well. So yeah, I don't think it's something that he's going to worry about too much. On to the next team. Mercedes, you're going to be very happy about this one because it's, again, another clear one. George, four attempts quicker in qualifying and then P4. So, again, just it's been quite weird for George. He just, apart from, I suppose, even Bahrain because he just missed out on the, on the podium in Bahrain. But every race, he's kind of just gained a few positions when other people have been falling apart. He is actually the only driver on the grid to have finished in the top five in every single race so far this season. So big ups, George Russell and uh, Lewis Hamilton. What is going on over there? I said it on Twitter, actually, after the race. I think, and I'm trying to look back 2021, 22, or sorry, 2021, 2020, 2019. I think that is genuinely like the worst Lewis Hamilton race from start to finish from the beginning of the weekend in terms of the performance in a long time. And I mean... Obviously, George Russell, you know, he was a little bit compromised, actually, whether he would would have been able to catch up Lando or not. But uh, during the pit stop, going from the inters to the dries, they forgot to do uh, his wing change as yes. well. So yeah. they forgot to kind of put a little bit more of a drier setup in terms of like, adjust it for those front tires, having a bit more grip. So he had a lot of understeer in that second stint. So, you know, he still did a good job to bring it home in a bit of a compromised state. But of course, you know, for Lewis, that was a that was a shocking weekend. I mean, just overall, in terms of the pace that he had, four tenths off his teammate, and he didn't, he wasn't really able to attack. This car is not really allowing him to attack in the spring quali or attacking even in the race. I mean, he was stuck behind Gasly for the entire race. Um, also, I was really surprised when there was that kind of, uh, when there was that period when they were going from inters to dries, it clearly was like looking, it was time, you know, ready for dries or at least to take the gamble. And he was like, yeah, it's not even close or something yeah. like that. And then immediately everyone pitted. So yeah, maybe he's also kind of, 
I don't really know how to describe it. It's just this is not the Lewis Hamilton that we're used to, but now he's going to prove why he's a seven-time world champion. He needs to bounce back. He needs to motivate the team. I thought it was very, very interesting what Toto Wolff mm -hmm. did after the race on the radio, kind of saying, Lewis, this is on us. The car is not good enough, you know, and all of that. And as much as that, you know, as much as some of that is true, George Russell, your teammate, is in P4. So there's a bit of ego massaging, just kind of boosting Lewis's confidence, making sure his driver is motivated by telling him that it's our fault, it's the team's fault. But that car is just very confusing because Lando outqualified Mercedes. He outraced the Mercedes. He had more pace than George Russell pretty much at, you know, at every point of the race. So it's just, it's just weird. We expect Mercedes to be this kind of best of the rest team, but then we get to qualifying and their car looks like it's maybe fourth or fifth best. And even then they're not making it into Q3. So yeah, they're in a really weird kind of limbo period. We're waiting for these kind of big upgrades. Maybe it's just the philosophy of that kind of no side pods that, you know, there's a bit of talk about that. The fact that because there isn't so many side pods, the entire floor is just bending so much because there isn't as much support. So Interesting times ahead for Mercedes. This is again one of those, you know, similar to Carlos Sainz for Lewis. It's just forget about this one. Just move on as quickly as possible. And but yeah, again, maybe it's controversial to say, but yeah, this is one of the worst kind of weekends I've ever seen from Lewis Hamilton, especially in his Mercedes career. But George Russell, he continues to be consistent. King Russell, he's making the best out of a bad situation. And uh, what a race, mate. And he held off Bottas in the end. <laughs> he's not a bottle job. You know, he's built different. He's yeah. built different. But him holding off Bottas, in all fairness, shows that the, that car was very much in the midfield pack um, with the Alfa Romeo being quicker than it at the end and and being in that sort of same area as the Haas and, 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 and other cars as well. So, yeah, Mercedes, not a good race for them. But George Russell capitalised. And I want to see the start from Russell, in all fairness, because... He, I think he he was like 10th for the start or maybe 11th and then just shot up through the field and then, of course, had the battle with Magnussen. So, uh, yeah, moving on to the next team, though. We'll go with Ferrari because it wasn't a good race weekend at all for them on their home circuit. Science, don't think any fault of his own, got spun round out of the race. And then Leclerc, Spinala, quite literally, um, yep. <laughs> round very lucky not to get damaged. <laughs> As he put it into the barrier, and yeah, lost a lot of points here in the championship. And I thought, I thought Leclerc was very smart at the start because he backed out of it with Russell, with uh, Norris, sorry, when those were side by side because he's got a thirty-four point lead over George Russell, but going into this race weekend, he doesn't need to risk anything into turn one because you know he's got a lot of points to play with. So it was quite weird that he was risking it, really trying to hunt down Sergio Perez at the end of this race when, you know, he's lost out a lot of points because of it. And it's also just the way it happened as well. It wasn't as if like, I don't know, it wasn't as if he like touched the white line or just hit a random patch or just, you know, accelerated too much. He literally just clattered, mm. absolutely clattered that curb. More than I've seen the entire weekend, like, and the car, you know, massively just it lost completely lost all grip and even when it did land it didn't grip up quick enough he absolutely lost mm -hmm. it and because we were watching it live it was amazing we actually were seeing it we were yeah. watching his on board i cannot believe he did <laughs> not go more into the barrier like the fact that he only just kind of clipped the you know the the end plate of his front wing and obviously did have to come in for that pit stop and kind of made a bit of a comeback uh back to p6 the fact that he didn't just put it straight into the barriers i mean i couldn't believe it but yes yeah, you know as far as signs obviously bad weekend for him but 
Again, this is, is this a bit of inexperience we're seeing in terms of like, we, we've seen it with Lewis actually uh, quite a few times in terms of the percentage plays. On some days, it's just better to finish in P3 mm -hmm. instead of risk any more than that. And was it just a little bit of inexperience in terms of how to, he's got such a points gap. I mean, any other championship and you would be comfortable, but yeah. Max has just had a massive sw uh, swing in points. And this was a bad weekend for Leclerc. I mean, he's going to learn from this. You know, he said it in his post-race interview that it's not going to happen again. But I think Leclerc just needs to rein it in a little bit. But it's still him over sight, I think, for this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's quite an easy one, I think, for this one again. Because science bad qualifying. Good sprint race to come back. But Leclerc did a better job there. And then in the race, of course, um, yeah, he, he finished it. But wasn't really a fault for science. We have to really go from before this race, in my, my opinion. Moving on then to the last team, and a 1-2 maximum points for Max Verstappen. And Sergio Perez, a good result to back the team up. And like I said earlier, first 1-2 since 2016. 2016, absolutely mental. But for me, it's got to be Max. Perfect race weekend. I mean, you said it. It's got to be Max. Perfect race weekend. Exactly what he needed. And is this now kind of the start? Is it kind of shifting the momentum a little bit? We're going to find out. But again, and to do it on Ferrari's home soil as well, that was amazing. So yeah, yeah again, perfect for, for perfect for Red Bull and perfect for Max as well. But also good, uh, strong weekend for Checo as well. Strong weekend from Checo. Again, I'm still not sure if I'm convinced by him. It was a good start to I the am. season, but he was still quite a bit off the pace of Max in qualifying and in the race. And he was P2 in the race for quite a long period of time of the race, you know? So he was second, but Max was outclassing him. And I think the gap got to like 12 seconds at one point. So if Perez is now on the same pace, because before we can easily say the car was more tailored to Max's driving. Now we've got a new car. Max is struggling with it. Sergio's struggling with it. They're both on an even playing field. He wasn't on the pace for me today. But yes, okay, he packed the team up. He did the job. He got P2. That is what you want to do. But is that mean that Perez is a perfect number two driver? He's a great Rubens Barrichello. He's a great Valtteri Bottas to make sure that he gets the second places, backs up the team, and helps him in the Constructors' Championship. Or do we want to see a Sergio Perez that is going to take on Max Verstappen? You know, well, that's I know what you've got to say Red, when you're saying... I know which one Red Bull wants to see. I'll tell yeah, you I know which one free, Red Bull so. wants to see. But that's what you've got to say if you're saying, oh, I'm impressed by Sergio Perez. You're impressed by Sergio Perez because he was able to take the fight to Max Verstappen, not because he did what he should have done and finished behind his teammate at the very least. Well, he's doing a lot better than Ferrari's kind of number two <laughs> driver. I'm talking about re relative yeah. to where he was last year. He's made a lot of progress. I mean, he's still finished, you know, over 16 seconds behind Max, but he had to come back from a bad qualifying. He did it in the sprint race, did it even more in the race. I think we're going to see Sergio Perez win a race or two that, you know, this year, no doubt about it. But let's be honest, it is going to be Max who's going to be the quicker driver. And it's also going to be Max who's fighting for the title. For the title, As much as we would like to see, you know, Perez versus Verstappen, you know, even at the beginning of the race, I knew that Perez, Perez was not going to attack Max into turn one, but... It is what it is. I, okay, I'm happy with where Perez is. I think that they have a really good dynamic. And ultimately, again, maximum points, a 1-2. What more do you need? Especially after the uh, beginning of the season that they had. There's your title headline. Max points. That is going to wrap up this episode of the Talking Points podcast. Let us know in the description what you thought of today's race. And also, let us know about sprint racing. And we'll talk about that and use your comments in the next episode of the podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. 
and everyone over on Spotify. Make sure you rate us out of five stars. We'll see you on the next one. Goodbye.